I'm Dave Cornway. And I'm Ryan Hasman. And this is the Dave Berta Podcast. This is the week of November 26th, 2017. Uh, we'd like to first of all start off by thanking everyone who turned into our pilot episode, downloaded our pilot episode, or listened, listened to it online uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we really appreciate all the great feedback uh, and hope you guys are tuning in for a second episode and, uh, and continue to listen. In this week's podcast, we're going to take a look at what's happened since the last podcast, what's happening this week, and what's going to happen uh, between now and the end of legislative session, which I believe is set for December 7th. That's right. Yep. Can't come soon enough. So start starting off, uh, what, Ryan, what happened this week? What do you, what, what, uh, what do you want to share with listeners today? You know, I think since we met, um, it's funny, we were talking about how Jason was new and the NDP were reacting to him being the leader. And so very shortly after that, the narrative changed completely to what I think was the NDP's biggest bullet. And I don't just mean that for last week. I think maybe of the year or of this pre-election cycle, which is the GSA debate. So um, I think politically it was not a great week for the United Conservative Party caucus. I think this was just speaking purely on politics, this was an issue where the NDP had a big stick and they knew that it was a good one to whack the UCP with. It would cause division. It would cause controversy. I think anytime the UCP is talking about GSAs, they're not necessarily on solid ground. Just again, being a cynical political strategist. But my, my comment is I, having said that now it's over. I think they just shot their biggest weapon. I mean, they might try to keep it alive. They may bring it up again. But I think they've now gotten, I'm going to mix lots of metaphors. I think now they've got their pound of flesh on that. And there's two more years to go before the election, two and a half years. So um, if you're a UCP person, you're thinking, okay, well, that was not good. But that might have been the low point where you're worried about what caucus is going to say. You're worried about the base. You're worried about people going sort of off on their own. Um, from here on out, I really don't think there'll be anything like it where we're so clearly on NDP ground and we're so clearly talking about something that they're very comfortable with. And, and so if I'm advising Jason Kenny, that's what I'm telling him, you know, the worst is behind us now, no matter what we talk about for the next two and a half years, it's probably, probably not going to be any worse than that. Um, I don't think people will remember the particulars two years from now. I think it'll maybe still be an issue she can whack him with or maybe to rile up her base um but the narrative will move on by then i think that uh i mean i was surprised at how the ucp played the issue um it's clear that they were on i think i mean just despite the polls that we're seeing seeing uh the voting uh, intention polls we're seeing i think that on the this gsa issue i think kenny and the ucp were on the wrong side of wrong side of public opinion we're on the wrong i think on the wrong side of history on this issue but i think they kind of took a gamble and decided you know what we could let the the NDP, uh, we, we can let the NDP win this issue uh, without us flailing in every direction and falling apart like the UCP or the Wild Rose Party had every time the GSA issue had been brought up before. They can do that. They can The, the UCP can just take their, um, uh, take a hit on this issue and, and move on and they'll still do well in the polls. And I think that's what we've been, what we've been seeing. I think, I don't think this is the end of, of what we're, what we're going to see with the NDP strategy, but keep continuing to bring up social issues. We saw in September, uh, uh, deputy premier, Sarah Hoffman in a CBC article, I remember reading had hinted about, um, the province bringing in legislation to protect, um, or to govern, um, 
protesting around uh, around abortion clinics. So I think that's something that's that's going to come up, and yeah. I think it's another kind of landmine issue for the UCP if, if, if they're not too careful. I'm hearing it too. Yeah, it was actually something I'm going to bring up. So you got to think they're sitting there thinking, what will make the UCP caucus go off message or go rogue or whatever the right way to put it is? And, uh, you know, we saw it, maybe this is a point you were going to make, the provincial liberals in, in Ontario tabled legislation and what Patrick Brown and his team actually had the presence of mind of doing. And again, I'm just speaking on the politics, not necessarily the policy. But the Ontario PCs basically said, yep, we support it. Uh, unanimous consent, let's go. And so the the win liberals were sort of like, well, whoa, hold on. We want the debate. Like, what do you mean you, you're okay with it? We want the, they were expecting the, the bozo eruption. But I've heard this is coming too, and I suspect they're saving it for when Jason Kenney's in the House. Um, that would be another bullet that they probably perceive to be in their in their gun. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's I think that's probably the case, and I guess we'll see you coming up in the spring. Um, the by election in Calgary Lougheed is December fourteenth, and and the House li- um, uh, breaks for the for uh, the Christmas break on the seventh. So yeah. Jason Kenney won't have a chance to actually sit in the legislature until like the March? spring, March, April, yeah. February, whenever the house uh, house resumes. Yeah, I'm always surprised. Or when we first came back to provincial politics from being in the in the federal politics scene, I'm always surprised at that gap after Christmas. Like it feels like it takes a long time, and then they sit into June. It's almost like the CFL. Like let's get started sooner, so you're not sitting so late in the year. But yeah, I suspect that's what they're doing, and they don't want Jason to have his moment of, what is it, the, who drags him out? The speaker and one of his, well, no, they drag him to the speaker. Well, it's typically the, the, I think it's typically the leader of the, no. Would it be the premier? I don't. No, I think it's the, I think it's the, the leader of the party and the house leader, I think is the one who's too typically kind of brings in the, the, the. Uh, yeah. the the new newly elected ML, MLA. I and think it's would, an MLA. Yeah, it's the leader of the opposition. I don't know. I don't remember. I I, I don't remember who dragged uh, Jim Prentice in when he was uh, when he was elected in 2014 in the by election. Uh, I suspect it'll probably be probably um, uh, Jason Nixon, who's the the yeah. legislature leader of the UCP, will probably, will probably have something to do with that. Yeah, we're such nerds. Totally. Well, wait and see on on uh, in uh, in spring 2018 who drags Jason Kenney into the uh, into the legislature. We'll find out then. You know, on the on the subject of GSAs, though, and you know, I know we're going to get to the Think HQ poll later, and of course, of course, all polls are only worth the paper that they're printed on, and all of that. But I believe the Think HQ numbers came out reflecting the GSA debate. Maybe it's still overlapping a little bit, but it, the GSA issue is baked into these numbers, I think. And so it's interesting that it really, in no way, is having any effect on the overall numbers. I think that these things can tend to be very much um, overly emphasized in our political circles. I mean, I'm not downplaying the issue, the, 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 the genuine issue, but just the political outcry. I don't know if um, main, mainstream Alberta was paying as much attention as the three of us were, but what I see in Think HQ is it didn't really hurt anything. Yeah, I'd be interested to see polling, uh, talk issue, issue, issues polling being released, talking about what you know, what what are the top ten issues Albertans have. Um, I know pretty much uh, almost unanimously in every poll I've seen over the past uh, past two years, the economy has been top of mind. Yeah. Um, and then there's issues, healthcare, education, which are kind of the the issues that, that people yeah. people well, do care. But the other issues that people care about, but. Um, I think since the um, since the drop in the price of oil and the recession, I wouldn't be surprised if the economy and jobs remain at the top for uh, 
for the time being. Yeah, funny you should mention, I just printed off the Think HQ recent poll. They do a summary. The question was, in your opinion, what would you say is the most important issue facing Alberta today? Uh, I'll read them in order from the biggest. The economy, which is 41%. Of course, there's breakdowns of what that means. Um, living, which is unemployment, health, education, cost of living, is 29%. So if we're using sort of shorthand, the UCP issues being economy, things like spending, finances, provincial date, diversifying the economy, oil prices and budget, is 41%. The NDP's bundle of issues, all the soft, touchy-feely things like environment, affordable, breathing air, housing, air, trees, grass, Oh, several types of grass um, is 29. So if you just want to sort of boil it all down, according to Think HQ, which again, if it was bad, I wouldn't be bringing it out. Um, according to Think HQ, we're talking about the UCP's issues are 41%, um, and the NDP's issues are 29%. So I think, as we mentioned last time, I think Rachel Notley's um, just structurally, the NDP are always dealt a weaker hand. doesn't mean they can't win, but they, st- they start the game with the you know worst cards so yeah i think that'll be interesting to see going into the next year uh watching to see how the ndp if you know what kind of pivoting they do going into the into more of a re-election mode going into 2018 um we saw this week rachel notley her speech to the calgary chamber of commerce getting rave reviews about standing up for pipelines going to toronto you know pitching pipelines uh to ontario and to vancouver crowds uh, it'll be interesting to see how she continues that, and yeah. uh, if she's able to kind of claw that issue away from the from the UCP going into uh, 2018, 2019, yeah. and whether that remains a top issue. I mean, we're still, you know, we're still a year and a half or so away from an election. We all know that uh, campaigns do matter, and that a lot of sometimes, and we've seen in recent recent the two most recent elections is that. The big issues in the first week of the campaign are not necessarily the big issues in the second week or even the last week of the campaign. Um, so, you know, these, these polls are snapshot and there's something to, you know, to, to, to recognize and keep in mind. But uh, it's not necessarily, uh, you're not necessarily a prediction of where things will be in 15 months, but it's an important snapshot of, yeah. you know, where people are, where Albertans are right now, which I think is important to keep in mind for uh, when, you, when you're talking about politics and looking at how, how politicians are operating. There's a, there's a couple highlights I took out of Think HQ that I just wanted to touch on today. Um, I found it very interesting that if you look at the net approvals for the two leaders, well, really for all the leaders, but it's mostly about Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley. Um, and I, I mean, I think even 2015 showed that it really is about the leaders. Um, so the net approval today, snapshot based on November 2017 at Think, Think HQ, is that Jason Kenney's net even. So his disapproval and his approval rating balances out, which is not great. But Rachel Notley's a net negative 38. So, you know, her concentration and the NDP's concentration in general in provincial politics has always been obviously rather um, disproportionately in Edmonton and places like Edmonton, Strathcona, in the core highlands. Um, so I think that's what you're seeing because, or I'm sorry, I think what you're seeing is that there's a general disapproval of the NDP that goes pretty broadly. A couple other numbers among decided voters. So this is not undecided. This is the one that is a bit more important. This is decided voters. Mm-hmm. The the top line number for the province is 54% versus 30%. The other thing that I found was interesting is the UCP is leading in Calgary. This is again, think HQ. 
um, by 20 points. That lead grows when you leave the major centers and you get into small urban and rural. Um, so they're looking, I mean, I believe the NDP could be looking at a total wipeout if it was today. It's not today, of course. The other thing, though, that gets... A total, a total wipeout in Calgary, you mean? No, or, I'm and, talking and, rural. And outside. Rural. Oh, rural. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the rural areas are, are uh, I think they've, they did a fairly effective job in their first year in government of salting the earth in, in, in the rural areas. <laughs> yeah. we're talking. Places like, I mean, they may hold, well, no, but even then, I was going to say they may hold like Shannon Phillips or something, but well, I don't I, know. Well, I think that, I think urban centers like Lethbridge, uh, I mean, I always think of Lethbridge as kind of the Edmonton of the South. Yeah. More, more Edmonton like Calgary. I could see the NDP doing well in a place like Lethbridge. But that's two seats. Uh, that's two seats, right. but Red Deer, Grand Medicine Prairie. Hat, Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie. They no, no, they didn't win. They didn't. They didn't win in Grand Prairie. Um, up but there, up, up north, they won a whole yeah. bunch of seats up north. Yeah. I think they'll have a real challenge. Uh, and I, I don't. I mean, I, I think that they probably know that their yeah. MLAs are probably hearing that, uh, hearing that on the doors and hearing that in the phone calls. But yeah. um, well, I'm on um, the provincial board here in the Saint Albert constituency, so Marie Renault, and a couple of interesting f- things I learned. Actually, I'm not on the board because we haven't done our AGM yet. I shouldn't be presumptuous. I attend the board as a member. Who's well, good luck in your election. Yeah, board. yeah, my uh, I've never lost a board election, so we'll see how that goes. But um, so a couple of interesting stats: Saint Albert, the constituency, has over a thousand UCP members. Um, the NDP, I don't have the exact figure, but in it, since election day 2015, has raised something like six hundred dollars here based on the filings. So they're really not particularly active, and if you look around Edmonton region, this would be their next best place, I think, after the core, you know, after Strathcona and Highlands and Center. You know, a place like St. Albert is certainly competitive. And so the real story here is going to be Stephen Kahn and the Alberta Party and the Liberals. And so, you know, if that dynamic is taking place all over the province where the NDP have gone back to being essentially placeholder CAs in a lot of these ridings, it's not good for them. So, you know, Marie Renaud, she should be a leading... Like she's pretty good, I have to I have to admit. Like as a as an MLA, she's good. She brings substance to the role. She's like a, a person of accomplishment. So if they're not even really acting here or raising money or doing anything, what does that say for all those Calgary seats? Yeah. And then the yeah. other thing, sorry, just to I think we have to tie on is that in the Edmonton region, so that's not the core. That's, you know, the seven eight zero or no, I guess not the seven eight zero, the region. The, the census metropolitan area. Yeah, the 1.3 million people that I always compare us to with Calgary. I hate it when Calgary brags that they're so much bigger. They're like 5% bigger, but the city of Calgary is bigger. Anyway, um, the two parties are tied, according to ThinkHQ, which is actually pretty interesting because that could mean the whole belt around the Henday becomes a battleground, and it has a lot more to do with things like the Alberta party and where they're going to, you know, those targeted seats that they're going after. Which ones are they going to pick? So... Think HQ was interesting, and I, of course, like it because the numbers are so good for us. It was, I admit that it's only one poll. Let's keep our eye on it. But if you're the NDP, you're running out of time to turn it around. So I guess in our second topic today, we should take a look at the calgary Lougheed by-election currently underway, probably more than halfway done. Actually, I think election day is December 14th. So Cor- correct, December 14th. There's a few interesting candidates running there. Um there's one fellow who has recently come into provincial politics. Uh, he's a well-known MP. His name is Jason Kenny. You may have heard of him. Yes, you may have heard of him. Um, he would be 
you know, a strong contender. What I find interesting, though, is I believe there are at least two other provincial party leaders running there. And I didn't even write down the Green Party leader's name. I have no idea. Her name is, is Rami Tatel. Okay. And she's from Springbank, so just, uh, just west of Calgary. Can you name, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, good for her for getting involved, but can you name six interesting facts about her? Because I can't. Uh, her website said something about uh, being a follower of Donut Economics. Ooh. She ran in the uh, federal by-election, or federal election in the Foothills uh, district, which is just outside Calgary, and I believe she got about 3% of the vote in 2015. For the Greens. For the federal Greens. And I think she was one of about six or seven candidates who ran for the Green Party leadership, the Alberta Green Party of Alberta leadership. Weren't they disbanded? Oh, they were... That, we could do a whole episode on that one. Jeez. They were... The, Give me the quick version. Okay. The Greens were... Uh, they were called the Alberta Greens, I think up until about 2008, 2009. And a guy by the name of Joe Anglin, who... Jumpin' uh, Joe Anglin. Jumpin' Joe Anglin, who would later become a Wild Rose Party MLA. That's correct. Uh, and, and then, eventually, PC. Didn't he cross? Uh, he ran for the nomination. I think he ran for the nomination, but he ran, as a, ran for re-election as an independent. But he crossed with them. I, I think no, he I, went... Or did he stay? I should no, know. No, I think he stayed as an independent and he wanted to be a PC, but I don't think they really oh, uh, were he too left. excited about that. Yeah. He was part of the the what is it called? The hemorrhaging before. He yeah. left caucus before Daniel crossed. Yes, I believe. before the uh, before the mass floor crossing of the Wild Rosers. And those are my my budgies. I apologize for that. They have things to say about Joe England. Yeah. Uh yeah, so the Green the Alberta Greens were the Alberta Greens and then they were uh, disbanded by Elections Alberta. I believe there were some issues with their financial reporting. So then they were just like dissolved and then they became the Evergreen Party. A number of former Greens like reformed as the Evergreen Party. Are you being funny right now? No. This is the 2012 election. They were they even ran a, can- a candidate for the Senate. I was yeah. a full-time staffer in the 2012 election and I didn't know that. Well, Evergreen? I, I, yeah. That's the, what they were on the, the ballot. The Evergreen Party. And then they had to wait like six or 12 months in order to like rename themselves as the Green Party of Alberta. So they did after 2012. Like they waited like twelve months, and the Evergreen Party then became the Green Party of Alberta. So now they're the Green Party of Alberta, and that's all I know about uh, the new leader of the Green Party. So Alberta Liberal leader David Kahn has announced he's running there as well, uh, which I find interesting because he's got to run somewhere. I think it's getting his name out. He never said what riding he would run in before, did he? Uh, he ran. Uh, this is his third time running. The uh, first time running as leader, party leader, but in 2014 he ran. David Kahn ran in the Calgary West by-election against Mike Ellis. Right. And I forgot about that. In two, the 2015 uh, general election, he ran in Calgary Buffalo, which, which was Kent Hare's former seat. Kent Hare's now yeah. the liberal liberal MP for Calgary Center. Um, and he placed, I think, he placed third. Um, in David David Kahn placed third in that election. And um, whose seat is that now? That is Kathleen Ganley's seat, the justice minister. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's smart of him to run. Um, what I find interesting, of course, is this whole conversation around the Alberta party. I made a comment on your Facebook, actually, about it. I, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I miss the days when the Westminster system was a little bit more traditional, and they would let opposition leaders into the House, essentially, without running against them. And I think the tradition it speaks to was that the opposition is the government in waiting. And you never know when you're going to need a new government and all that stuff. I don't know when the last time it actually happened is in provincial politics. I think in federal politics, you're talking about 2000, when Chrétien didn't oppose Stockwell Day running in that interior BC run. I, I think it was t- 2002 when Stephen Harper 
or 2002, 2003, when Stephen Harper returned. Right. And the guy they had to convince was Ezra Levant. Yeah, and the liberals didn't run a candidate in that. That was Buddha in Calgary Southwest, which actually overlaps the... Yeah. I think Calgary Lougheed is actually in the old Calgary Southwest riding. The irony in both cases is that the governing party is going to get its tail handed to it in a Calgary riding either way. So they get to be gentlemanly or whatever the right term is and not run. You know, I do think we're in a new era, but I also have to make the point that the NDP... They have no respect for Westminster tradition, so of course they, I thought, would run against him. But uh, they're they're gonna get smoked. I mean, what what would you give it for an over under, Dave? Uh, I mean, I, I I can't really give odds, but I think Kenny's probably gonna have about a million vote margin of victory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, it's it's important to remember this is this is not this is a seat that the PCs won in the last election. Dave Rodney was reelected. Um, when you know there was an NDP wave across the province, including most of Calgary, yeah. um, and this is the third. So this is the third by-election that we've seen since the 2015 election. And each of those three by-elections have been in ridings that elected PCMLAs yeah. in 2015. So we haven't really seen Prentice, Prentice, this one. Ma- uh, Manny Bular, oh right, in Calgary Greenway a, yeah. few, a few years ago. Um, so it's. It's it's not like I mean I don't think anybody's really expecting the NDP to win. I think it would be different if the by election were being held or if a by election were being held in a seat that the NDP won in twenty fifteen. And we yeah. actually haven't even seen that. We've seen a by election like, like that an yet. Edmonton seat or something. Yeah, or an Edmonton seat or a Calgary seat that the NDP won. I think there'd be different kind of different expectations and and it would mean something different if the if the NDP didn't win and the UCP won. With this by election, I think with the previous two. Um, I mean, I don't know if anybody's really expecting the NDP to win. So I think the expectations are, are quite different. So if you're David Kahn, you're just hoping to finish ahead of the NDP. I think so. Make, yeah, David, I, hope, I think David Kahn's hoping for a good showing. I mean, I think he's hoping to win, but realistically, I think he's hoping for, hoping for a good showing. And we saw in the Calgary Greenway by-election, uh, the Liberals placed third ahead of the NDP candidate who placed fourth. I don't know whether that's going to be the same in this in this by-election. I think the dynamics are probably a little different because um, there isn't a Wildrose and a PC candidate running. Right. I, um, I wrote it down. The 2012 NDP vote was 3.9%, went up to 32 the 2012 PC vote was 50, and it dropped down to 35 when Dave Rodney won, while Rose was at 38 and then 28. So the other point that I'll make as a partisan conservative is as many people that want to challenge Jason Kenney, I hope six more people run because of that, whatever vote he's not going to get, they're just chopping it up amongst themselves. But I actually think David Kahn has a really good path to finishing second because I don't know Lougheed that well. But it seems to me that they would have actually existed there for quite a long time as an institution, as a party, as a riding association. I doubt that's true of the NDP. And their candidate, should I take a stab at his name? We had a bit of a conversation about Go this. ahead. I have it phonetically written down here. Dr. Phil Vandermervey. I believe that's correct. Vandermervey. Now, I'm going to make a point here because I'm the partisan conservative. That that letter he sent out to his patient list full of partisan politics is outrageous. If uh, I'm not even going to play that card. If a conservative did that, imagine how mad people would be. It's just irritating, though, that he would use a patient list publicly, and then they try to say it wasn't a partisan letter. It was, no, it was a partisan. Have you guys read it? I, I I read it. I'm not I'm not particularly outraged about it. And what we're talking about is is when uh, when the doctor announced that or when he was announcing that he was running for the NDP. Uh, nomination to be the NDP candidate in this by-election, he sent an email to his list of patients saying, 
Um, most importantly, that he was going to be taking a break from from his his family practice, uh, and that you know, if you need to find arrangements, you can you know call my office and call his office, and then they'll make 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 arrangements. But he he'd be unavailable as a doctor for for the uh, the next month, and if he win if he would win, I guess the next four years. But there was more. Yeah, but 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 <laughs> but but what 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 uh, what conservatives are taking an issue with is that he also said, oh by the way, I'm running for the NDP, and because I you know because they believe in you know strong health care and they believe in all these values that uh, that I that I believe in. And the conservatives want you out on the street, destitute. Oh, I don't think it was. It wasn't. It no, was, no, it wasn't that. No, 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 no. no. I, I think I think Kennedy it was totally fair Vader. game. He's a, he's a doctor. It's a private practice. Uh, and, and, uh, and he's, you know, these, these, these patients, um, I think, th- I think it was fair. I think it's, it's, this wasn't a public list. It wasn't, I don't think he did anything that, that, that at least I can see that violated any kind of privacy rules. So are we going to take a bet here on how well they do there? What, what's the, are you talking about the, the NDP? I guess or? we could put it either way. What's so from, from a UCP perspective, the only number I don't want, which is probably what they'll get is 77%. I'll take 76, I'll take 78, but the number 77 in provincial conservative politics is cursed. <laughs> so uh, if you, what I'm referring to is Stelmac and Redford both received reviews of 76. And actually, if you go f- even further back, Joe Clark received a review as PC leader in the federal party. He got a 76 and he resigned. It's the kiss of death. Yeah. So what I'm going to hope for for Jason Kenney is to get 78. And after that, it's gravy. Well, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to make any 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 nu- numerical predictions. Um, I think Kenny will win in in likely a landslide. Um, but what I'm going to look what I'm looking to watch is whether the NDP are going to pour their full resources into this campaign. Why would they? Uh, I think they want to they want to give try to give Kenny a run for run a run for his money. But if you're just being tactical, if every MLA and all of their boards came to Calgary Lougheed and door knocked every day, they would still lose. That's why I think they shouldn't have run. Like, they could put their full resources into it and get 9%, or they could put nothing into it and get 7%. I don't know. I'm just making numbers up. But, like, I think that she is going to keep expectations very low, which is why I'm surprising that they're running Mervay, Dr. Mervay, in this one, because he actually seems like he would be a pretty good candidate. So maybe it's a two-election strategy. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he does seem like a surprisingly uh, credible candidate for the NDP in Calgary. I was actually yeah. surprised that, that that it wasn't someone who was maybe a party staffer or past yeah. candidate. Um, I mean, he seems, he seems very credible. Especially against Jason Kenney. Like, against any leader, anywhere. But Jason Kenney in a... I think this writing overlaps with his federal writing, or it's the same neck of the woods. Yeah, I think I don't I don't think it overlaps with his federal writing, but it's quite close. It's like then I think his federal writing was like just neighboring it. I think they could bring back Jack Layton if they cloned him, and I don't think Jack Layton could win that writing. Well, I'm not them. sure Jack Layton could have won in Calgary anyway. We talked a little bit about the Alberta Party uh, not running a candidate, deciding not to run a candidate in Calgary Lougheed. and one of the reasons that the uh, that the Alberta Party gave for not running a candidate is that they've Called a leadership race, um, so in, a, in a kind of surprise move. Even yeah. though there'd been some rumors going around for some time that his leadership was in question, or that be, there would be some changes, uh, Greg Clark resigned or announced that he was stepping down as leader. That the yeah. party would hold a leadership race, I believe, in February 2018. Um, so even even that confuses me. Like, what's the rush? Like, if the point of it is, and Stephen, I heard an interview with Stephen Carter where he said. Parties only have a chance to grow substantively doing two things, nominations and leadership races. So what he's talking about is membership sales. 
Um, it seems to me that doing this in February doesn't give a lot of time for membership sales. So if that's the goal, why not do it in May? I mean, everyone knows that the provincial UCP is doing a policy conference in May. We're still two years away. It's not like Rachel Nutley has to call the election. So this just, it smells so fishy to me. And I don't know anything about the internal workings there, but talking about this poll in front of us, the Think HQ poll, one of the points that it made was that the Alberta party momentum is growing. So you have gro- momentum was growing. Clark seems to be doing okay. They had just recruited a government backbencher. And now all, all of a sudden, this comes out of nowhere. And, you know, a lot of the people who left or couldn't stomach the UCP under Jason Kenney, some of the rule, uh, reasons that they gave was because of hardball politics and nasty politics or polarizing politics. And looking at this from the outside, it doesn't look particularly nice to me, you know, what that a leader who is doing well would be kind of forced into something like this. You know, the I think one of the headlines I read was he was backed into it. This feels pretty hardball to me. So I don't understand it. I mean, maybe you have some insight into what's going on there. One of the reasons why I think that uh, that this issue has been that the, the rumors about Greg Clark stepping down or and moving on um, have been going around for a few months is when you look at the it really is a result of of, of poor fundraising from the Alberta Party. I think um, Greg that's Clark. Craig's Clark. That, that's Craig's. Sorry, Clark's fault. I well, I think as leader. I mean, I think as leader, fundraising is a key is a key key goal, a key task. Yeah. Um. I mean, Greg Clark. I'll give him full credit. He is. Uh, he has generated a ton of media attention for uh, one ML now one MLA now two MLA caucus. Uh, he's definitely punched punched above his weight since 2015, but you know, regardless of the media attention, I mean, every time that the financials, the financial disclosures would come out from the parties every quarter, I'd be shocked at how low the Alberta party fundraising numbers are. We're talking about like fundraising, maybe $28,000 per quarter. When, when you're thinking like you look at the NDP and you look at the, the UCP and then, and then, and the, the PCs and the wild rose that came before it. I mean, they were raising three, four, 500, a million dollars a quarter that's the kind of money that you'd need to actually raise to be a, to, to run a really credible campaign in the next election. And the Alberta Party wasn't even raising a fraction. It was only raising a fraction, but barely a fraction of it. The, so was, the Liberals were raising more money than yeah, the Alberta Party. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 you're not in a good place when the Liberal Party in, in Alberta. Alberta is raising more money than you. I wonder if this is structural. Um, you look at the ways that parties fundraise and mobilize and sell memberships. It's rarely based on, you know, the other guys have some good ideas. We have some good ideas, and let's work together. That's not how they do it. That's not how the New Democrats do it. It's not how the Conservative Party does it. It's issue-based. It's going to the base. It's preaching to the choir. You know, if you look at how any ideological party, and I think the New Democrats and the UCP do stand for things, as opposed to the Alberta Party or the Liberals who don't really, you know, they raise money based on being ideological. And so when you're a centrist party, and your value proposition is we kind of agree with everybody and we just want to be there instead of them. I don't know who, I mean, there is a category of us who like to consider ourselves moderate and reasonable and like to have friends across the aisle and all that stuff. But if you only pay attention to politics, what is it? A couple of minutes a week and you get a letter from three parties and one of them you vehemently oppose. One of them you're like, what are you even trying to say? We should be nice? Okay, yeah. And the other one's like something you agree with strongly. Well, which, which, who are you going to write a check to? You're not going to write a check to the one you hate. You're not going to write a check to the one that you 
think you can't even understand what they're doing. You know, you have to be punchy. You have to say, Jason Kenny is the devil. And if you don't give us money, we will lose to him. That's how we fundraise, right? And it, maybe we don't like it, just like no one likes negative ads. But the NDP has been raising a ton of money in the last couple of years. And there's a reason for it because they actually believe in things. So I don't know if it was Greg Clark's fault. I mean, I don't know who. I would love to know among these dis, disenfranchised former PCs who they think will do better. Because this group of people, and some of them are my friends, they have now lost several times in a row different rules, different scenarios, but the same result. Jason Kenney came in and handed it to them. But before that, I mean, the 2015 war room took a dynasty and drove it into the ground, the PC war room. Um, if you think that some of these are Redford people, well, look what happened there. So, like, who do they think is going to do better? Uh, some of the names that you were hearing would be Stephen Kahn. I don't believe in the Jesperson thing. I don't know who else is out there. Have you heard, or do you have a theory? Well, I mean, no one's no one's confirmed that they're running. I mean, this you hear like um, Thomas Lukasik or Lisa Holmes is the former mayor of Morinville. Very St. Albert centric, isn't it? Yeah. The Alberta party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. No one stepped out. Actually, stepped up to run yet. Um, you know, I, I suppose we'll probably see some see someone step up. I mean, there's rumors that uh, that. Greg Clark might even run again for, for the leadership that he just stepped down. I mean, that'd be kind of crazy if he were acclaimed. Well, he uh, said right away he is running as an MLA. Yeah. And so I have to confess my first thought, because it surprised me so much, was, oh, no, is this like a scandal? You know, all these people stepping down because of things that they did. So my first thought was, oh, did something come out? And he has to step down, because why else would you so suddenly? But then he said, no, I'm still running in the next election, so that's not it. So, yeah, maybe that'll satisfy this plan, this card... Cartesian? How do you make an adjective out of Carter's last name? Cartonian? Cartonian. And and on 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 the on the topic of Stephen Carter. Yeah, we didn't uh, mention him. Either. No, no, on the on the topic of Stephen Carter, uh, uh, noted political strategist, almost a celebrity political strategist in Alberta political circles. Um, th- this whole Alberta party thing seems kind of weird and funny, but I take it seriously because people like Stephen Carter and Susan Elliott who are both serious political strategists are involved in this. So I, 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 whether I, I, I can't see the route they're going or maybe they have a star candidate or, or someone who's going to blow our socks off. Uh, but, yeah. um, but I do take this a little more seriously. It's not as, it's not as silly because those two people are involved. Oh, for sure. It's because I think they, they have credibility and their personal reputations and, and you know, they've, they've won elections in the past. They've lost elections in the past, but so has everybody who's involved in politics. Yeah. You can't stay in it long enough and not lose. What I find interesting though is, these, those two names you've you mentioned and others, you could make a case that this is the same civil war that's been part of the conservative party since essentially Mulroney, Joe Clark, certainly Reform Party PC. Names like Susan Elliott. She's been fighting Jason Kenney for 20 years in different forms, in different battlefields, and the results are not mixed. Jason Kenney has only ever won. He was like in the 82, 83 percentages in his provincial, or sorry, his federal riding. Um, he came in, remember the PCAA had a really successful AGM and it was a lot of these people. It started to sound a lot like the Alberta party. In fact, the Alberta party was probably thinking like, well, I guess we could just go back to PCAA. And then the Kenny train came down the tracks and we saw what happened. So again, as a partisan, I think if you ask 10 Albertans, they would all identify with the centrist. Like Everyone thinks of themselves as a centrist. 
everyone probably is a centrist, but when you're organizing and you're doing politics, that's not what it's about. It's about mobilizing, moving dedicated volunteers to taking action and fundraising. And those things depend on ideological bases and, and motivated volunteers. So I, you're right. It gives me pause as a partisan that those two and others are involved. And here in the St. Albert riding, you know, a name like Stephen Kahn certainly changes the local election, but their track record is just as mixed as everybody else's. And the NDP are not going to just lay down. So if you are a person who opposes Jason Kenney, you don't know what else you believe in. You oppose Jason Kenney. Well, now you got to choose between some person that Carter comes up with and Rachel Notley. Rachel Notley is an experienced premier. And now she's the, <laughs> she's like a pipeline paladin all of a sudden where she's, you know, going into other provinces and telling them to give their heads a shake. And it's like she's reading our speeches from, you know, up until now. So if you really, really know that you just don't like Jason Kenney and so you're shopping among the alternatives to Jason Kenney, Rachel Notley's not going away. So I don't know who the Alberta party plans to run, but I'm still confident that, in fact, I made a bet with a colleague. If they elect more than, I think, three MLAs, I will buy my colleague whatever coffee she wants. Venti, extra soy, whatever. Like the $15 one? Yep. Yeah, the $15 one. I just, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, and I'm... I'm really glad that people are getting involved in politics, but the Alberta party was building momentum. They just pulled the rug out from under that. And who do they think is out there? In, in a bid to bring about some structure to this podcast, uh, we've come up with a segment. We're going to try to be introducing more regular state, regular segments as we, uh, as we record more podcasts. And today's segment uh, that we're introducing right now is uh uh, politician to watch or uh, or policy to watch uh, in terms of what's coming up in the next week, what's coming up in the next month. What should uh, what are we keeping our eye on, and uh, what should you be keeping our your eye on? Uh, I'm I'm going to dive right in, and I'm going to say talk about the electoral boundary review, which is a totally nerdy thing. Yeah, uh, it to uh, to very, talk about that is very nerdy. It's very nerdy. Uh, but, but you've been good on it. You I, provide you provide better information than Elections Alberta does. I, oh, thank you. I, I just I've, follow you on. I, I, I'm like I feel like I'm like the only person who writes consistently about electoral yeah. boundary reviews. Also, I think you are part of my dream. I have to say. One of my dreams is I would love to be appointed to an electoral boundaries commission. I think it would be wow. I think it would be really hard and really fraught with with all sorts of uh, all sorts of, of difficult decisions and, and and political landmines. But I think it would be totally fascinating. And I spend so much time on this issue anyway that uh, they might as well just appoint me to the commission the That's next time it happens. Point. They probably just look at your work. Um, and say, well, what did Dave say about this? Well, one? you know, I, I, I said I made recommendations to the Boundary Commission to the the initial report, and then after the interim report, and I'm pretty sure every one of my recommendations got integrated into the into the final report, which I think is is uh, is great. Um, so I'm just looking something up here for you, Dave. There's a poet, you've probably heard of him, but he uh, said, you know, you might just be a small town boy living in a lonely world, but don't stop believing, Dave. You too. <laughs> can be a commissioner of the Alberta Election Boundary Commission. Don't stop believing. What else do they say? I'm trying to find these thinking. That's the only part. Oh, hold on to that feeling. Streetlight people, don't stop believing. <laughs> Dave, you can do it. Oh, I will hold on to that. That's, that's great. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. A live man. journey look up there. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, 
so the final report's been tabled to the legislature. The speaker has it. The committee has it, I believe. Um, I, I haven't heard when the legislature is going to address it, but it has to be passed by the legislature in order to be adopted for the next election. And what it is, it's basically it's 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 the map of the electoral districts for the next provincial election, uh, and it is going to be controversial. Um, they've removed three or four rural ridings to compensate for. Uh, growth in urban areas like Calgary, Edmonton, Airdrie, to Cochrane. Comp- to compensate for strong conservative votes, you mean? That's what they are doing. We've got to get rid of those conservative seats. and Conservatives in rural areas aren't having enough babies is the issue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the Boundary Report is, is uh, I feel like that's a Battlestar Galactica reference. You know, Laura Roslin is, you know, have, have more babies. And then he says, is that an order? Remember? Yeah, okay. You know, I have never seen that show. Oh, you, we have to watch that. Seriously, it's the, be- it's the best. It's like West Wing in space. It's right. great. I'll um, do it. So the Boundary Commission report, it's going to be debated in the legislature at some point. The Alberta Association of Municipal Districts and Counties uh, approved a resolution at their recent convention to uh, basically saying that uh, they, they oppose the changes that are, um, that are included in the final report. They want the government to amend the, the legislation governing the, governing the boundary uh, redraw so they can add more ridings so that n- the rural areas will keep the num- same number of ridings, which is what the Tories did in the, la- the last time, sure. eight or ten years ago, the last time they redrew their boundaries. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to see what happens when it goes to the legislature because there's going to be a number of MLAs, UCP MLAs and NDP MLAs, who are going to be directly impacted by the yeah. boundary changes. Um, now you've and it could it really impact their, their chances of re-election and whether they have to run against each other in the election or for party nominations. So now you've brought it back to the like mid-range nerd level that I think I operate at instead of the advanced degree nerd level that you need to <laughs> care so much about this. What I'm going to point out is there is a real fight coming on the UCP side with two of the star leading lights. Now, technically, one of them is an independent at the moment. So Derek Fildebrandt and Leela Ahir's writings are, from what I understand, now essentially folding together as one. And that's not good. Um, these are two of the people who you may have opinions about. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has an opinion about Derek, but he's certainly a strong, go, go Leela. strong voice. And I, I love Leela. She was going to be my pick for politician to watch. So you've got a scenario where potentially two very strong conservative MLAs who are going to play a leading role in the next two years certainly are um, going to be at each other's throats. And so the party has to figure out what to do with that. I, I, I agree that there are some NDP where they're in the same scenario. But uh, the one that I can think of that is the biggest fight on our side is Leela and Derek. There's another one, um, the Bonneville riding. I'm sorry, I should have been more prepared, but there's two. I think it's called. It's going to be called Cold Lake St. Paul, and then they're, yeah. they're basically taking the, I think it's like the, the Lac La Biche, Two Hills riding, and then they're, they're getting rid of that one, and then they're div- dividing it up between three other ridings. So there's yeah. three or four wild, or former Wild Rose MLAs, so UCP MLAs who now have to, figure out where they're going to run. Yeah, but there's enough up there for everybody. I mean, hopefully they can figure it out. So that'll be interesting. And when does the legislation have to pass? I don't know. I'll have to look into that before the next election. Uh, I know that nominations are never far from anyone's mind when you start getting in the halfway point of the term. The UCP interim joint board has said that nominations won't be done until after the May uh, policy convention. So that means that I would expect the six, well, really the two years after that. But essentially once we're back from Red Deer in May, 
nomination is going to be really what just about everybody cares about. And you can go on my, onto my blog on dayberta.ca under the Alberta Election 2019 panel or the tab. And I actually have a list of people who've already declared they're running for UCP nominations and for NDP nominations. So I'm already starting to keep track of, of nominations because candidates are starting to step forward. Even though the process hasn't officially started, they're yeah. launching their websites and their Facebook pages already. And getting it to you is legitimately one of the first steps everyone's advised to do. It's like, have you started talking to people? Have you started raising money? And have you told Dave Berta? So there you go. So, so if you're running for a party nomination in the next election, send me an email or a Facebook note or a, or a message on Twitter, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be glad to add you to the list. And if you're running for a nomination, you should rethink your life choices. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, we appreciate your feedback. Feel free to send us feedback uh, on the Facebook page at uh, Dave Berta on facebook.com slash Dave Berta. Uh, send us, you can send us a, a feedback on Twitter. You can send us an email at podcast at Dave uh, We take feedback in all forms. And we'd like to thank our producer extraordinaire, Adam Rosenhart, for helping us with this episode once again. Uh, and here's a couple ways that you can help us out. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on wherever you find your podcasts online. You can submit a review. Uh, you can share it with your friends. And, and of course, we hope that you tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs>